Father, we come tonight and we are thankful for an opportunity to gather as your people, and as brothers and sisters in Christ, and to worship together, to, to fellowship with one another, to, to hear from your word about who you are and what you've done. Father, we thank you tonight for the praise that we've heard on um, Mike's test coming back. And, uh, Father, the great news that is there, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for healing him and, um, and, and all that you've done for him. Father, we do, uh, we pray for the, uh, tonight for the Henry family, Lord, as they're dealing with the, the passing of a loved one. Father, we pray that you would, would comfort them during this time. Father, we, um, we do pray tonight for um, the unspoken that was mentioned and, and Father, also for, for others that I'm sure uh, we have in this room. Father, you know all things and uh, Lord, you know the, the concerns of our hearts. And so Father, we we pray for that this evening, Lord. We, we pray that as we begin to open the word and we, we begin to look at uh, the truth of your word, Father, we pray that you would teach us tonight. Lord, that we would read and understand, Lord, who you are and what you have done. And Father, that it would lead us, it would drive us, Lord, to an, an understanding of you that would lead to worship of you. And so, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So tonight, once again, we'll, we'll pick up in our study of knowing the living God. Um, last week, when we came together, we we looked at this and we saw that that God that God was um, He was a lawgiver, and He was also judge. So God has created all things that exist. He owns all things. He sustains all things. He keeps them going, moment by moment. And therefore, he creates the laws by which all things operate. And he has revealed those laws to mankind. Therefore, mankind is then responsible to obey those laws and to keep them. Furthermore, because mankind has been created by God and has been given his law, Mankind will then be judged as to whether they have perfectly kept that law or not. And as we see here, God as lawgiver and as judge, we all know that we have not perfectly kept that law. And therefore, in order to be made right with God, we must then have a Savior. And we see in Scripture that God himself is this Savior that we need. I believe it was um, 
I think it was John Stott that talked about the fact that God himself gave himself to save us from himself. Um, a really neat way of putting that and articulating that. And it's exactly what we see in the pages of Scripture. So tonight we want to start and we're going to look at the names of God, what he is called in Scripture in regard to his salvation of us and him as Savior. So the first thing we see in Psalm 17, God is called the Savior of those who seek refuge in him. In Isaiah 60, the Lord calls himself the Savior and the Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. In 1 Timothy, there Paul writes that he is God our Savior. So we have these names of God, these very clear and direct statements about God as Savior. And we also see, as we continue to look through Scripture, we see these further statements about Him. For example, we look at uh, Psalm 3, and we read that there that salvation belongs to the Lord. Also in Psalm 68, we read, God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation. And to God the Lord belong deliverances from death. In Psalm 74, it says, Yet God my King is from of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. So again and again we see these references to God saving. And then again in Jonah chapter 2, we see this statement that salvation belongs to the Lord. Along with Scripture teaching us um, about God as Savior and teaching us that salvation comes from the Lord, it also teaches us that salvation only comes from the Lord. There is no other Savior. So Isaiah uh, 43 this very direct statement from the Lord in which he says, I am the Lord and besides me there is no Savior. In chapter 45, the Lord again says, there's no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. See that he, he's the only thing that can save. We also see in Scripture that God calls for a response to Him as Savior. As a matter of fact, we see it in the verse directly after the one we just looked at. So um, Isaiah 45, verse 22, God says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. This, this very general call that goes out to all mankind, to the ends of the earth, to, 
to turn and to repent and to be saved. There's also a response to God as Savior commanded to those who have been saved by God. So in 1 Chronicles, it says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. Praise Him and tell of what He has done. Also, Psalm 96 Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. So there's this responsibility here that we have as believers to go and to proclaim the riches of what God has done. What He's done for us in saving us and and delivering us from the wretchedness of our sin, from delivering us from death, and and in restoring our relationship with Him. The next section we're going to look at tonight is we're going to look at God's plan of salvation. Um, How God determined to save. And so we're, we're trying to understand here, um, how, you know, how does, how does this all work? How does this all come about? Um, when did God decide he would say? How did he decide that he would save? And, and we read about this in the pages of Scripture. And one of those passages is this, uh, what we're in on Sunday morning as Pastor Kerry is preaching through First Peter. And we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting there in verse 18, it says, Knowing that you were ransomed, you were purchased, you were bought back from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in last times for the sake of you. Christ known, foreknown from before the foundation of the world. And so the author of our study, uh, Paul Washer, he writes this. The text proves that before the world was created, the Father had already determined or decreed to send his son to die for the sins of his people. So this plan of, of salvation that we see was not an afterthought. It wasn't plan B right after mankind had sinned and fallen. And, um, this was in the mind of God before creation. We see a very similar thing taught in Ephesians in chapter 1 in Verses 4 through 6. It's very interesting to to walk through these verses and to see the the connection between these phrases and kind of follow the the train of thought that Paul has as he's writing through this. So in verse 4, we read, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless 
before him. So in the verse in 1 Peter, we saw that Christ was foreknown and chosen from before the foundation of the world to save. Here we see that those that would believe were also chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And a vital part in this verse is that two little word phrase there in the verse, in him or in Christ. So we see here that God didn't choose us based on anything that we would do or that we would accomplish or because of anything good in us, but rather we were chosen in light of our union with Christ and in light of what he did on Calvary and dying for our sins. We also see in this passage the purpose for this, why God did this, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Holy and blameless, set apart, other than, pure. And and we are holy, we are blameless in our position, in Him, united together with Him, through our union with Him. When we're justified, we'll look at justification in a little bit, but we're then, in our daily lives, we're to continually become more and more holy and blameless each day as we seek to obey and to follow Him. So we, we see that in verse 4, and Paul continues on in verse 5. And he writes that, In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. So again, all through this, we're seeing God's purpose and God's design in in what He's doing here. We see His purpose in in this predestining work that He's done. We, We see it in the word for. God has predestined us for adoption. He's done this that we might be His adopted sons and daughters. We might be heirs of His His and co-heirs with Christ, receiving the inheritance, all the benefits and the blessings that a natural born child would receive through our position in Christ. We also see in Verse 5, why God chose us in Him before the foundation of the world and predestined us to adoption. It says that He did this according to the purpose of His will. So if we look at this, we look at these verses, we look at thing, these things in Scripture and we ask, why, why did God do it this way? Why did he decide to do it like this? We're we're prone to ask questions like that. And then here we see the answer. According to the purpose of his will. The word that's translated purpose here carries the idea of kindness or or favor or good pleasure. In other words, it, it pleased God to do it this way. He wanted to do it this way, to adopt those 
who believe as his sons and daughters. Again, we uh, read this. God loved us because he is love and because he determined to set his love upon us. God adopted us because it pleased him to do so. It's an incredible thing to read here in Scripture. And then in following on this in verse 6, we see that this, this great and final end for God designing and decreeing salvation. It says, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. So there's the ultimate purpose, the ultimate end for God's, of God's salvation of sinners. For what he has done is his own glory. Those things display his glorious grace. They d- display, they, they shine forth this majestic, this splendid, beautiful remarkable giving to giving to sinners the forgiveness and the redemption and the inheritance that they do not deserve because of his great love and for that he is praised his work of salvation is a demonstration of his glorious grace and will result in ceaseless praise from men and angels throughout all eternity. It's all about what He has done for us that we could not do for ourselves because of His great love for us. There's one more, um, one more passage that we want to look at tonight regarding God as Savior. And that passage is in Romans 8. Romans 8 verses 29 to 30. There we read, For those whom He foreknew He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined He also called. And those whom He called He also justified. And those whom He justified He also glorified. And so these couple of verses talking about um, what God has done for us in salvation often referred to as the golden chain of salvation because it it shows here us God's design, shows us His plan of salvation from beginning to end. And these different facets, these different aspects of His salvation. And so we see here that, um, first of all, God foreknew those whom he would save. And one of my favorite quotes here from, from Pastor Kerry on this word is that foreknow does not equal foresaw. They're not the same thing. Um, notice here it's the person. That's the object of his foreknowledge. 
It's not the future actions of the person that would take or the future decisions that the person would make. It's the person that's the object of the knowledge. Um, Dr. Wayne Grudem said it this way. The passage speaks rather of the fact that God knew persons, not that he knew some fact about them, such as the fact that they would believe. It's a personal, relational knowledge that is spoken of here. God, looking into the future, thought of certain people in saving relationship to him, and in that sense he knew them long ago. Also, this word carries with it, according to uh, Greek to English dictionary, when you go and look at it, it's this idea of, of choosing beforehand. So, so God is the one who has done this. He, he foreknew those whom he would save. The second word that we see in this verse is that those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. This, this word means to mark off by boundaries or to determine. So this verse is teaching us then that God determined that those he foreknew would be conformed to the image of his son. Those whom he foreknew would be made like God the son. Verse 30 then says that those whom he foreknew and he predestined, he also called. And so when we look in Scripture, we see that there's this inner effectual call at a specific point of time in our lives that's brought about through our hearing of the general call of the gospel. We see an example of this in the the life of the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 1. There Paul writes this, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So Paul writes here that God foreknew him and set him apart before his birth. Then at a point in time in his life, God called him and revealed his son to him. Next, in verse 30, we see here that God justified. Justified here is a, it's a legal term. And so kind of envision in your mind a, a courtroom with God as the judge and then with us as defendants being charged. And because of the substitutionary work of Christ in which he died for us and for our sins, God, the judge, then declares us as defendants not guilty. He declares us not guilty because the penalty was paid by Jesus on the cross. The final term that we see here um, in verse 30 is glorified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified and we see here that the glorification of the believer refers to their final standing before God in their resurrected and perfected body a body conformed to the image of Christ and freed forever from the power of sin and in this state of glorification 
we will live and we will worship and we will serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever. So praise be to God for His work in saving His people. Let's pray. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word. We thank You for the truths that it teaches. We thank You for how out of Your your own love and Your own good pleasure, in Your mercy and in Your grace, You have saved sinners, Father, when we could do nothing. We're dead. We're children of wrath. But God, you have done this. And so, Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, I pray that this would lead us this week to as we meditate on these things, to to worship you in our hearts and to obey as we go. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.